4 and 5. I say 4 and 5. We'll spend most of our time in chapter 5. But I want to read both chapters tonight. Um, This is Eliphaz. They've been sitting here together now for a week. Uh, They sat quietly sitting there with Job, the three friends. And they haven't said a word. And then Job chapter 3 tells his misery and despair, if you want to read the heading of of, uh, Schofield's Bible, and that's accurate. Job curses the day of his birth. He is is, uh, expressing his grief. And I believe as you read that chapter, you can find some bitterness starting to creep into Job's mind. He's he's wondering why all this has to happen. Uh, We know that he's in extreme pain and extreme misery. His sorrow um, is is unbearable. I, I don't have anything in my life to compare to what Job went through. I don't know anybody that does personally, that lost all their children at one time and uh, has the boils from the top of his head to the sole of his feet in pain. So he, he finally, after a week of sitting silently and grieving, he finally spoke. And now Eliphaz the Timonite answers him. And we're going to read chapter 4 and chapter 5 both, and so um, neither one of them is very long. And as I said, I want to spend most of the time in chapter 5, a couple verses tonight that I want to bring out. I'm not going to get super deep into Job. Um, there's, there's so much in this chapter that you could spend a couple years preaching through Job. If you wanted to go verse by verse um, and, and really, really get into it. And if the Lord leads that way someday, maybe we'll do that. Um, but today, I, I want to look at a couple things. Job, or Eliphaz, as he starts speaking to Job, is incorrect in his assessment. I, I, I believe all three friends are wrong. And you can see that in Scripture, too. God tells them they are. Um, but... As he speaks, he's accusing Job of sin. And we know from the first part of the chapter that that's not true. We know that God looked down and said, Here's a man who is perfect, upright, fears God, and eschews evil. So, not that he was sinless, but here's a man who was not being punished for the way he lived. Now, we know that God is teaching Job. So, what Eliphaz is saying here is coming from a wrong assessment of the situation. But what he says about God is right. What he says about God is is true in here. And and so let's focus on that tonight. Verse 1 says, Then Eliphaz the Timonite answered and said, If we essay to commune with thee, wilt thou be grieved? But who can withhold himself from speaking? (laughs) uh, That verse kind of makes me laugh a little bit. I can't sit here any longer. I've, I've kept my mouth shut just as long as I can. Uh, and so he's got to get this off of his chest. Behold, thou hast instructed many, and thou hast strengthened the weak hands. Thy words have upholden him that was falling, and thou hast strengthened the feeble knees. But now it is come upon thee, and thou faintest. It touches thee, and thou art troubled. Is not this thy fear, thy confidence, thy hope, and the uprightness of thy ways? Remember, I pray thee, who ever perished, being innocent, or where were the righteous cut off? Even as I have seen, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. 
By the blast of God they perish, and by the breath of his nostrils they are consumed. The roaring of the lion and the voice of the fierce lion and the teeth of the young lions are broken. The old lion perisheth for lack of prey, and the stout lion's whelps are scattered abroad. Now a thing was secretly brought to me, and mine eyes received a little thereof, in thoughts from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falleth on men. Fear came upon me, and trembling, which made all my bones to shake. Then a spirit passed before my face, the hair of my flesh stood up. It stood still, but I could not discern the form thereof. An image was before mine eyes. There was silence, and I heard a voice saying, Shall mortal man be more just than God? Shall a man be more pure than his Maker? Behold, he put no trust in his servants, and his angels he charged with folly. How much less in them that dwell in houses of clay, whose foundation is in the dust, which are crushed before the moth. They are destroyed from morning to evening. They perish forever without any regarding it. Doth not their excellency which is in them go away? They die even without wisdom. Call now if there be any that will answer thee, and to which of the saints will thou turn? For wrath killeth the foolish man, and envy slayeth the silly one. I have seen the foolish taking root, but suddenly I cursed his habitation. His children are far from safety, and they are crushed in the gate. Neither is there any to deliver them. Whose harvest the hungry eateth up, and taketh it even out of, the, out of the thorns, and the robber swalloweth up their substance. Although affliction cometh not uh, forth of the dust, neither doth trouble spring out of the ground. Yet man is born unto trouble, as the sparks fly upward. I would seek unto God, and unto God would I commit my cause." which doeth great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number, who giveth rain upon the earth and sendeth waters upon the fields, to set up on high those that be low, and those which mourn, uh, that those which mourn may be exalted to safety. He disappointeth the devices of the crafty, so that their hands cannot perform their enterprise. He taketh the wise in their own craftiness, and the counsel of the afroward is carried headlong." They meet with darkness in the daytime, and grope in the noonday as in the night. But he saveth the poor from the sword, from their mouth, and from the hand of the mighty. So the poor hath hope, and iniquity stopped, stoppeth her mouth. Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth. Therefore despise not thou the chastening of the Almighty. For he maketh sore, and bindeth up. He woundeth, and his hands make whole. He shall deliver thee in six troubles. Yea, in seven there shall no evil touch thee. In famine he shall redeem thee from death, and in war from the power of the sword. Thou shalt be hid from the scourge of the tongue, neither shalt thou be afraid of destruction when it cometh. At destruction and famine thou shalt laugh, neither shalt thou be afraid of the beasts of the earth. For thou shalt be in league with the stones of the field, and the beasts of the field shall be at peace with thee. And thou shalt know that thy tabernacle shall be in peace, and thou shalt visit thy habitation, and shalt not sin. Thou shalt, not, thou shalt know also that thy seed shall be great, and thine offspring as the grass of the earth. Thou shalt come to thy grave in a full age, like a shock of corn cometh in, 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 in his season. Lo this, we have searched it, so it is. Hear it, and know thou it for thy good. Let's pray. I, I I just want to touch on a few things in these two chapters tonight. Father, thank you for your mercy and grace. 
Thank you, Lord, for salvation this, mor- this evening. For the message we heard this morning, Father, challenging us to be soul winners. Lord, give us a burden for the lost that we can go forth weeping, that we would, that we would be burdened moment by moment as we see those around us that are, that are going to suffer eternal damnation, Father, without you. Give us a heart for the lost. Give us wisdom as we look into your word tonight. As we, as we just spend a short time here in these two chapters in Job, Father, teach us. And we'll give you the honor and glory. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So he tells the truth. What he says here is right about God, but he's, he's coming from a wrong, uh, an as, wrong assumption. He, he misunderstands one thing about God, and that, that not all trouble is a result of sin. Not all discomfort is a result of sin. He, he does kind of say this several times in here, and the first part of Job chapter 4, he, he brings that out. Job, this is because of sin in your life. We know that's not right. But he's not wrong in that God does punish sin. I, I wanted to look at this. First of all, he is preeminent tonight. And, and let's see this as we go through Job. The entire book brings out the preeminence of God, the sovereignty of God. He is in control of all things. He does all things well. And, and these struggles and trials in Job's life are going to change Job. They're going to improve his walk with God. He comes out of this a stronger man than he went in. And God knew that from the beginning. So he allowed Satan to put these things upon Job to shape Job's life. So not all trouble comes as a result of sin. And if we judge people like Eliphaz judged people, then we're wrong. We need to see it as it, as it is something we don't know why this is going on in their life. We just accept that God is allowing it. And we pray for them that God would use that then to shape them more in His image. Maybe to bring them back. Maybe they are living in sin and God is punishing that sin. Maybe they're walking with God and God is refining them. Uh, let's not make the assumption that Eliphaz makes in this chapter. But I want you to see, he brings out the preeminence of God, that God is in control. And in that, sin is always judged. Sin is always judged. What's he say in verse, verse uh, 7 and 8? Remember, I pray thee, whoever perished, being innocent, or where were the righteous cut off, even as I have seen, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. Verse 9 says, By the blast of God they perish, and by the breath of his nostrils they are consumed. We know Romans chapter 3 or 6, verse 23, right? The wages of sin is death. It's punishment. God never lets it go unchecked. Christian, we, we can live in sin for a time, but if, we're re, if we are His, He is going to punish us. If you don't know the Lord is your Savior tonight, you can live in sin the rest of your life, but God will punish you eternally. Go with me to 2, Timothy, or 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. And I go to this a lot. 
I like these two verses when I'm speaking of the punishment of sin because it places the responsibility on the sinner. You are guilty of disobeying the gospel, it says. Inflaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we don't obey the gospel, that means I didn't give Him my heart and soul. I'm not saved I've disobeyed. Now, I personally believe this is the unpardonable sin. There is a sin that is unto death. That is rejecting the moving of the Holy Ghost in my life. There's not a certain action that God cannot forgive. But if I do not obey the gospel, it says, Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power? We know that everlasting destruction is in eternity in hell, where the fire is not quenched, the worm dieth not. Try to imagine what it's going to be like to spend eternity in hell. And, and I, I've, I know I've spoken of this a lot, but I, I, I just imagine the darkness that is there. We want, uh, the world wants to say, well, I'm going to hell because my buddies are there and we're going to hang out with this cartoon crazy man with his pitchfork and red devil. The Bible says it's going to be darkness. I'm not going, you're not going to see anyone else. I'm not going. I'm not going there. I know where I'm going when I die. But to spend eternity in hell is that I am alone for all of eternity in fire that is not quenched, so I'm burning up all over the entire body. I wonder what that feels like. I touched a hot pan this afternoon. didn't burn my hand, but I touched it. And immediately, what do you do? You let go of that thing as fast as possible. The brain instantly says, Ow! <laughs> Don't do that again. I just wonder, what's it like to, to be falling in total darkness with the sensation of burning that never ends. And they said the worm dies not. Whatever that is, he's... The Bible is literal. Let's interpret the Bible literal. That's the right way to interpret it. God didn't write worm in there and and mean something else. So I believe it is some kind of a worm that is eating you. He never consumes you. For all of eternity. And it says the teeth are grinding. You're in anguish. The physical pain is unbearable. The spiritual pain is that that separation from the glory, destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. I never, ever step into the presence of God. Ever again. Never know His presence. I know for all of eternity that I rejected the Gospel. I rejected the opportunity that I had to know Him. And He is now giving me the just punishment for my sin. So back in Job when he says, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. Eliphaz is right. Your sin will be punished. You sow wickedness, you sow iniquity, you're going to reap the same. Sin will always be judged. He says through the rest of the chapter that God is is in control Verse 17 stood out to me as I was looking at this. Shall mortal man be more than just God, than 
more just than God? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? Job, back in chapter 3, is questioning why God is doing this. Why did you even let me be born? Why, why can't we just go back in time and erase me? <laughs> That's what he says. I just wish it had never happened. And he's questioning God. He's being, claiming to know more than God. You shouldn't put me in this situation. And so Eliphaz is challenging him. Can you be more just than God? Do you know what is right more than God? God is in control. He, he is doing all that he's doing for a purpose. And, and I see this as I read the chapter, or the book, that, that it's over and over and over brought back to Job that God is doing this for a reason. Now, Eliphaz's reason I disagree with. But he's not wrong that God is doing it for a reason. I want you to look, though, in chapter 5, because he is preeminent, is my first point. And then, secondly, he is available. And he brings this to his attention in verse 8 and 9. Like I said, I'm jumping over a lot. There's so much more in here that we could spend time on. But I'm going to go to verse 8. And he says this, I would seek unto God, and unto God would I commit my cause. I can say that ought to be each one of us every single day. No matter the circumstances, I would seek unto God, and unto God I'm going to commit my cause. I'm going to look unto Him. I'm going to, I'm going to, to just rely on Him. We, I say it all the time. Preachers all over the world say it all the time. We don't know what's coming tomorrow. I don't know what difficulties you might face. I don't know what difficulties I may face tomorrow. What if God did come and take a family member? Would we seek unto God? Would I be, would I be wholly trusting in Him? Go with me to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, verse 10. <clears throat> Excuse me. Simple verse here. Jesus speaking, and, and I'm going to pull it right out of the middle of a context. But it says something here. Verse... Verse 10 says, For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. What's it say? Verse 9, I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Christian, are we seeking Him? I, I appreciate the message this morning. We are to be soul winners. What stood out to me about the message this morning was, He that goeth forth and weepeth. He brought out a couple different times that we are to be going and weeping. There's got to be a burden. And, and that weeping is seeking the Lord for that individual. There's a desperation there. There's, there's a real need. There's some urgency in that prayer. I'm not, I'm not just saying, Lord, if I get a chance today, I'd love to witness. It is, it is Father, I need to serve you today. I need your wisdom today. Guide me and help me and show me and give me this opportunity. Father, the, the, there's loss that every one of us know. We, we can go to Him and say, Lord, guide me and help me seek this one. 
That is seeking Him. There's desperation when we seek. (laughs) Elizabeth has misplaced a debit card. That's bad, right? It's not her fault. I believe it uh, is the two guys sitting on either side of her. I'm going to place the blame on them tonight. They're sleeping. They don't even care. But this afternoon was seeking in the house. Getting down on hands and knees, looking under the couch with flashlights, moving things to try to find this debit card. We don't want it to fall into somebody else's hands, right? There's, there's an urgency to finding this card. There's a necessity there. That is, that is the seeking. It's, it's with desire. It's not just a lackadaisical thing. If I'm going to seek Him, I'm doing it with my whole heart. With with purpose and and desire. I, I I wonder how much we really desire to win the lost. If I desire it, I seek it. I will seek the Lord for the lost. I will go forth and weep, bearing precious seed. I'm going to go and and have a broken heart and a burden for them. He says to seek. Now on in verse 8, he says, I would seek unto God, and unto God would I commit my cause. I would commit my cause. Go with me to Isaiah chapter 26, please. Isaiah chapter 26, we're going to read just the first four verses of the chapter. Verse 3 is a very familiar verse. Verse 1 says, In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation which seeketh the truth may enter in. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, and the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Trust in the Lord forever, moment by moment by moment. Why? Because in Him, in Jesus Christ, in our Redeemer, is everlasting strength. That strength never fails. It never, it never uh, um, changes. There's not a, a weak point. It's everlasting and it's infinite. So, is my mind stayed on Him? Thou wilt uh, keep him in perfect peace. How many nights this week did you commit your way unto the Lord? Or how many nights this week did you sit and struggle with something that's going on in your life? So there's no peace in your mind. It's just turmoil. And you've got to get something to distract you. To take your mind off of the things that are going on around you so that you can go to sleep. This says, perfect peace comes when my mind is stayed on thee. When I've committed my way unto Him. That's just a commitment. God, you are in total control. I don't need to know why. I don't need to know what. I just need to know that you're there. It's committing our way unto the Lord. Having faith in His power. Mark chapter 4, 
We're going to read uh, a few more verses here. Mark chapter 4, 35 through 41. We know this story. Jesus is in the boat. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, and so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? His, his response to the disciples is what is convicting here. He is... He didn't say, why do you have weak faith? What's wrong with your faith? He looked at them and said, you don't have any faith. Now a moment ago, they're in a storm and the ship is being tossed about. Peter's a fisherman. He knows the sea. So this is not a small little thing. It's evidently a very serious storm. It's a difficulty that they cannot physically overcome. And so you could look at it from a human standpoint and say, well, are they wrong in saying we're about to die? And Jesus said, you have no faith. I am in the boat with you. If you knew who I was, if you understand who I am, and you're trusting in me, then you know that things are okay. Now, it must have been amazing for him to just say, peace be still. There wasn't a ripple on that water. You don't see water that's clear or smooth as glass very often, but that's how I picture this to be. When God said, be still, it was still. must have been an amazing, quiet moment. And they're just sitting in awe. God shows His power to them, and then He rebukes them. Listen, your fear... Be, is because you have no faith. They panicked. They got scared. They yelled at Jesus, basically. And He said, listen, just stop and remember who I am. Now they're, they're what manner of man is this? They, they still don't know who Jesus is. They haven't fully understood who He, who he is yet. But I, I look at that and I think, how many times... In my own life, do I say, Master, carest thou not that I perish? Don't you care about what's going on? Have you seen my life? The struggle that I'm having? And God says, you have no faith. Commit thy way unto him is, is, is having faith in him. And Job is right in the middle of his troubles. His pain is not, his pain is not ceased. So he's reminded, and, and we are too, to commit our way unto him. 
He is in control. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 55. I'm going to read a lot of, I know I've read quite a bit of scripture tonight. We're going to read this entire chapter. And it's only 13 verses. Sometimes somebody says, I'm going to read the entire chapter in Isaiah, and you panic a little bit. Some of them are pretty long. Some of them are very short. Chapter 55 of Isaiah says, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and a commander to the people. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God, and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Seek him while he may be found. There is one time that I can promise you the Lord can be found, and that is right now. That is it. I was speaking to the teens a couple weeks ago and I said, listen, today is the most important day in your life. Right now is the most important moment in your life. There are big things in our life, right? The biggest moment in my life was getting saved 30 years ago. The second was getting married. Those are big moments. But those are all in the past. Right now, hear what I do right now with what God is telling me, is the most important thing in my life. Because I don't know what comes in the future. The Bible says, I'm to focus on today. It makes it the most important day of your life. Call upon Him while He may be found. Why? Because I don't know if you can call upon Him tomorrow. I don't know if you can commit your way unto the Lord tomorrow. You may not be here. The rapture may happen. Before we get out of here tonight, what did John say? Even so, come, Lord. That would be fantastic. We'd be in the presence of the Lord in the twinkling of an eye, unless you don't know Him as your Savior. And then you've lost that opportunity. Seek Him while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake His way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Turn unto the Lord. Why? Because he loves you. Because he will abundantly pardon. First John 1.9 He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 8 For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither. 
but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereinto I sent it. That is a, that is a verse we need to hang on to as a Christian. We aren't responsible for the response to the gospel. We are responsible for sowing the seed. And the Bible says it's not going to return void. It is the power of God unto salvation. So, I can give the gospel to someone, and I can know that as long as they're living on this earth, God will remind them of that. That seed is going to keep coming back to their mind. It does not return void. I trust the Lord in that. There's strength in that for the Christian. For you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorns shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the bride shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name and for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Seek unto the Lord. As for me, uh, what Eliphaz says, I'm going to tell you, Job, is just to seek the Lord and commit your way unto Him. Christian, this week, that is what we are to do. Seek the Lord and commit our way unto Him. Call upon Him while He may be found. While He is near, He will be found. If you lack wisdom, what's it say in James? I love the, that verse. If you, any man lack wisdom, let him, call up, or let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. He's going to supply the wisdom, the, the strength, to go on this week. I don't know your situation, I know I'm not in anything that... Any, I've never experienced anything like Job experienced. I've never had this, this kind of turmoil in my life. But everything that comes along can take our mind off of God. The struggles that we go through this week can cause us to start feeling sorry for ourselves, to cause us to start getting angry and bitter to those around us and towards God for allowing it to come. And he says... I am preeminent. What I do, I am doing for a purpose. Commit your way unto me. Just simply let me lead. Trust the Lord this week. Eliphaz gives us some truth. In his wrong assumption, he tells us some things about God that are right. Next week, Joe, or not next week, I won't be here next week. I'm going to be up in Wyoming helping my folks again. Um, pray for us as we go up there going to tear down the house so they can put something new in there. And uh, so we'll see how that goes. I'm a better wrecker than I am a builder, so. 